0: Taxpayer
1: Talks is brought to you by Texans for Fiscal Responsibility and is made possible by generous donations from listeners like you. If you want to support our work, you can visit texastaxpayers.com donate to make a tax-deductible contribution today. Thank you. Hey, y'all. Welcome to Taxpayer Talks. My name is Tim Harden, president of Texas for Fiscal Responsibility. I am here with Jeremy Kitchen. Happy Texas Independence Day. Jeremy, how are you doing?
0: Yeah, happy Texas Independence Day. Doing great.
1: Good, good. Well, we, you know, it's it's kind of been a slow week, but we have had uh, some, some news this week. Uh, we've had some news on uh, Chapter 313 renewal. Of course, we're not supposed to use that phrase, apparently. But uh, why don't you talk about what has uh, transpired?
0: Yeah, so this week we had another bill in the Texas House of Representatives. This one, a priority of House Speaker Dade Phelan in the form of House Bill 5 get announced. Uh, This is a complete replacement of the Chapter 313 Corporate Welfare program in texas obviously for avid listeners to our you know content people that maybe read our our material we talk about this all the time right the largest corporate welfare program in the state of texas the chapter 313 tax abatement program was ended december of last year Uh, we of course have heard over the course of the year leading up to the legislative session that republicans specifically republican leadership in the house was working on reviving it. We've now seen two bills. Uh, we talked about, of course, the bill that was filed in mid-February. Um, I guess on the last week or the week, uh, the episode before that. But this week we have a new bill, House Bill Five, a priority bill by House Speaker Dade Phelan, authored by Republican State Representative Todd Hunter out of Corpus Christi. And uh, if you kind of read through the bill, ultimately it just it seems to replace the chapter 313 tax abatement program uh, for all extents and purposes it works slightly different Um, however um, the the notable difference is that it does not appear to incorporate kind of the green energy subsidies um, that were previously found in the 313 tax abatement program now the assumption there right is that Um, That was like the major objection from a lot of uh, lawmakers um, when they were trying to renew it last session, um, specifically some of the Republican lawmakers. And so the assumption would be that this is a way to bring them on board. Um, And so, yeah, figure we we can talk more in depth about that. You have kind of the decks being stacked against taxpayers um, in this regard, um, unfortunately. And so it's been a big week, uh, kind of focused on that.
1: Yeah, I think, you know, uh, we've talked about this multiple times. We knew that in some form this was going to at least be filed. I think what I'm surprised by is it's a priority for the house, right? I did not expect it to be a priority um, and honestly did not expect to see such aggressive rhetoric by uh, Abbott and by feeling and you know Patrick kind of commented on it um you know they I think there's been some people in the Senate who have said you know hey if the renewables aren't in there uh, but what's very apparent is one you know all of the rumors that we heard about this thing coming back, and specifically that you know they're going to exempt you know green energy from it, and that's how they're going to sell it. Uh, all of those have proven to be true. Uh, and of course, we've mentioned in the past that the the other rumor, right, is they're going to usher it through the process, and then once we get to conference committee or later in the process, they're going to shove those green energies right back in. So I'll be interested to see if you know we're still a hundred percent with these these rumors and what it's going to happen. And it, like you said, it is it's really disappointing um, with uh, you know the, the, I think it's funny that they're saying hey we're not calling it chapter 313 because it's like a bad word right likely because um you know the grassroots activists know know what this thing is uh and they know it's corporate welfare and so we're using you know euphemisms like you know taxpayer incentives uh but the reality is this is a revival of chapter 313s this is corporate welfare and we are once again here where they are preparing to give another push to steal billions from taxpayers and give to multinational corporations. And the, the crazy thing about that, and I know you've mentioned it in a recent article, I've mentioned it, is uh, you know the most recent study we had on Chapter 313s, uh, only 15% of them even care. Uh, that it even matters for they stay in Texas. So clearly, the corporate lobby has gotten to Abbott and gotten to a lot of these legislators who are, who are pushing this because taxpayers do not want it. Republicans who have a majority in both chambers, their platform explicitly says, we do not want this. And so they are going uh, against reason, they are going against good economic policy, and they are going against their own party to do this. And it's just disappointing to see
0: Yeah, I mean, to your point, there's bipartisan agreement in this too. The Democrat platform is also opposed to corporate welfare, right? Pitting communities against one another. And of course, it's only Republicans and Democrats that make up the legislature. And so you have to assume like whose interests do they have at heart? Not to mention, of course, that and we've talked about this several times, but in a legislative session, when you have Texas taxpayers, individual taxpayers and businesses all crying about the property tax, instead of, you know, providing using, you know, exploiting the historic opportunity that exists with the surplus to provide tangible property tax relief, put us on a path to the elimination of the tax. The legislature seems hell-bent, right? on reviving a program that will only shift the burden to individual taxpayers, right? Increase their property tax burdens at the expense uh, or um, uh, in support of these large multinational corporations. It's it's truly just a travesty and shameful and taxpayers should certainly demand better uh, from their lawmakers who very obviously are not hearing enough from them, right? On on this issue, um, you know, when when we talk about the kind of the groundswell of, of issues Surrounding just property tax, government spending, what have you in general? I, I'll say, you know, I mentioned the the deck was stacked against taxpayers. The day this was filed, I think Tuesday this week, right? Almost instantaneously, like within an hour, it also had maxed out joint authors, right? And what's important about that, uh, the, the four additional authors that attach their name to the bill is two of those authors were committee chairman by which this bill will go through, right? So one of the joint authors is um, uh, State Representative Morgan Meyer out of Dallas, Republican, who's the chairman of the House Ways and Means Committee by which this will go through, right? Um, and then you've also got um, State Representative Dustin Burroughs, a Republican out of Lubbock, who chairs the Calendars Committee. Of course, this bill, once it's passed out of the committee, will go to to get scheduled that's a signal right that's a signal to kind of all the other members and everything that the you know the the deck stack that the eyes are dotted and t's are crossed this is going to happen at least on the house side right now the unknown and you kind of mentioned this very briefly right is is where the senate is on this of course the senate's opposition to reviving this last session was ex- according to dan patrick because it, you know it, it, it was a system gone amok there's a bunch of corruption and it was green energy or like the green subsidies right and so uh, Um, If that's out of it, it's kind of unclear Whether it's going to happen. The the last thing I'll mention on this, right, is that you had Governor Abbott in his state of the state address. He did not make it an official emergency item, but he started off the state of the state address talking about the importance of giving local governments incentives, economic incentives, right, Uh, which is basically this, right, what we're talking about here. Yesterday on Wednesday, he held a press conference where he touted, I think it was the 11th, right, Governor's Cup that uh, Texas was recognized for because we bring so much. Business um, and, and and individuals right projects into the state, and even though he didn't explicitly say I support this bill, in a question that followed the the press conference, he specifically mentioned right his support for well if it doesn't have the green subsidies um, in it I'd be supportive right and and you know to me that tells you that uh, all the dominoes are starting to stack up and Texas taxpayers should be should be concerned.
1: Yeah, I think, you know, where where TFR is going to come in, of course, we, we have a record vote that we scored last go around on this, and this, you know, 313 renewal is specifically what I'm talking about, and it failed to renew. And so we have a lot of these legislators on record that they oppose this. So as time progresses throughout session, as we see more co-authors starting to join that bill, uh, we will be paying close attention to who rises up in opposition. Uh, is the Freedom Caucus going to rise up in opposition to this? Uh, I think Schaefer has been vocal uh, against this program, right? And so we we will see, you know, who's going to kind of go against the current and 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 buck up against this and and hold you know hold the party line on both parties right are there any democrats that are going to stand up and say hey our voters don't want corporate welfare which Republicans are going to stand up and say our voters don't want corporate welfare? Who is going to ignore their base and placate the lobby and corporate interests? Uh, and so we will be highlighting this throughout session, we will be uh, following it throughout the process, and we will certainly be letting you know people who flipped, right, who were opposed to it last go round, but all of a sudden now are supporting it. And and the reverse, hey, if someone report, supported last go round and opposed it this time, that's what we do, we provide transparency. And so uh, you know, check us out. Hey, it, you know, subscribe to our emails. We will keep you updated uh, on exactly what's going on on these big issues. You know, speaking of another big issue, of course, uh, property taxes is always at the forefront of uh, what we are doing. You know, we've made it a priority for our organization, and there is a lot of chatter and a lot of different bills dealing with different things in the legislature. Um, let's first talk about uh, the Senate and the Homestead Exemption Increase, Jeremy.
0: Yeah, so uh, yesterday or the day before, right, um, it was uh, a Senate Bill 3, Senate Joint Resolution 3 were both filed. Uh, This is a priority of Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick's, as he announced, I guess, almost a month ago now. Um, It had not been filed until now. Um, I think the big takeaway here, right, is he's made no secret that he supports increasing the Homestead exemption from its current threshold of $40,000 to that of $70,000, right? So that's a $30,000 increase. We've talked about several times, right, the concern there, because they've done this several times in the past, right, is that almost instantaneously, and maybe not this cycle, but in the next few cycles, right, that $30,000 number will likely be eaten up, right, by appraisal creep, um, inflation, and everything else. And so in the past, this has provided virtually no property tax relief to Texas taxpayers, right? And if it does, it's been seldom, right? Few and far between uh, for folks. And it's nothing more frankly than kind of a trinket, right? A gimmick for taxpayers to make it look as if they're providing property tax relief. You know, if you're someone who qualifies for a homestead exemption, you probably appreciate it to some extent, right? But if you don't benefit from that, you only get the increased burden, right? That's how that works. It completely shifts that burden. The concerning thing about this, not that I think TFR is outwardly opposed to this, we think compression is a far superior strategy when it comes to property tax relief, but As soon as this was filed, it was filed with the co-authorship of all 31 senators, right? And the important takeaway there is, I mean, the verdict's in, right? This is the Senate's approach to property tax relief this session, right? Uh, You know, if anything else gets filed, it's likely just, you know, for the sake of filing it and for the narrative, but not necessarily to actually pursue it. And I think this sets up certainly kind of the holy war, if you will, between the Senate and the House, where it seems like the House might be focused on other aspects of property tax relief and reform. Um, and it'll be interesting to see how this plays out. But if you're a Texas taxpayer who was, you know, encouraged that the Senate was going to address it, it seems like that, you know, they're going to address homestead exemption increases only.
1: Yeah, you know, I, I think you said a best when, you know, this we're not necessarily going to oppose anytime you're going to give, you know, some sort of property tax relief, but our case certainly is that this is one of the weakest forms of relief. It's one that is designed as a gimmick to, you know, make people feel better, but it will disappear very quickly within the next year or two with inflation and appraisal raises. Uh, And, you know, even with, you know, them kind of with a multi uh, point attack, you know, in the house, we're going to talk about kind of something Phelan said about uh, appraisal reform. Ultimately, it's an immoral tax, right? And it, it it drives me crazy because anytime you know we talk to to you know voters when we go speak you know when we ask the question you know uh, is it moral to, you know, to tax people's property perpetually and pay rent to the government. No one says that, and and the vast majority of lawmakers, when you pose it in that way, of course they they oppose it. And Abbott has come out and said uh, in years back, saying, "Hey, listen, yeah, property taxes are immoral. You can't own your house. We need to eliminate them." You know, he came out and said in the uh, in the last campaign with Beta, we've said many many times, right? His goal was to eliminate, right? And so, why in this realm, you know, when you talk about other other rights right when we're talking about private property rights here right when you talk about gun rights you know pro-abortion rights right uh uh, uh, pro-choice excuse me pro-life rights right um why why is there like this galvanized no compromise mentality right like uh, you you roe ended up uh pretty much abolishing abortion in Texas, right? Because we had a trigger law. And there's, of course, you know, there's a huge movement to just outright uh, abolish abortion. And there's probably a little still work there. But but why, why do we refuse to make compromises there? When it comes to the Second Amendment, why do we refuse to make compromises there? Because, you know, to to take away someone's right to defense, it is immoral, right? And so the same thing applies to private property we it is immoral to not allow someone to own their own property and so why do we have these weak you know status quo solutions that continue to you know perpetuate the the problem uh, that we are not allowed to own our property under the current system, but our lawmakers in both chambers and our governor is is satisfied with just throwing a band aid, right? A uh, slowing, the slow the growth, losing status quo mentality to get them by through the next election cycle, and then we're going to repeat, rinse, and repeat over and over and over again and in two years if we don't put ourselves on a path to elimination we are going to be here again talking about homesteadic and you know exemption increases to a hundred thousand dollars and we're going to add another five billion in compression but we're not going to put ourselves on a path to elimination at some point we have to stand up as voters and taxpayers and say enough is enough and hold these people accountable. Uh, and if you value the right to private property, understand that property, perpetual property taxes, paying rent to the government is is it's immoral. And it is the one thing that stands in between you and the right to actually own your property. And at some point, we have to wake up and stop compromising and accepting these gimmicks uh, from the legislature.
0: I think the last thing I would say on this, right, is I wholeheartedly I agree with everything he said. I think the you know, the the frustration, the travesty of all of this, right, is that the lead up to the legislative session, you had the comptroller, Glenn Hager, you had Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick, you know, they've all said this is a historic opportunity. And they're right. It is a historic opportunity. We likely won't see this large of a budget surplus, right? And and time in the near future, right? And they have an opportunity to not only provide relief, right? To kind of go past and beyond these trinkets, right? Continuing to slow the growth. They have an opportunity to provide tangible property tax relief to Texas taxpayers this cycle. And they also, right, even more of an opportunity to put us on a path to its elimination, right? That would be the ultimate, to get back to the economic incentives, right? The ultimate economic incentive is to do what? Provide property tax relief and and out for everyone here. Imagine the, the the economic drive, like engine that that would produce here in Texas we'd be unstoppable no other state would be able to compete with us right you'd you'd continue to bring in individuals and businesses who realize they don't have to pay this tax coming here it's it's a travesty that our lawmakers right want to perpetuate the same immoral system and not end it and they have the opportunity to do so this legislative session
1: yeah, you're 100% right, you know, and uh, kind of speaking of what else is going on in the house, Feeling recently spoke. Uh, and, and he, he basically said, you know, Hey, we've increased this to, to 17%, right? From our 17 billion from 15 billion. We're not exactly sure what he means by that. We haven't crunched the numbers. Uh, he, he spoke that in the same breath as basically lowering the appraisal cap, right? The 10% cap on, on homesteaded homes down to 5%. And I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, Jeremy, that he wants to apply that to all homes, right? So not just homesteaded homes. And so likely this is where he's getting that number, uh, we have not verified that just yet, uh, and we knew that the House was going to be focusing on appraisal reform, uh, and so it seems as though this is going to be the thing they galvanize behind, which is, you know, lowering from 10% to 5%, and yet again, hey, we're not going to oppose this, right? We any, any, you know, step forward we can make in property tax relief, we're going to support, but we're also going to have a higher standard. Right. And we're going to continue standing on the fact that this system is immoral. And so yet again, you know, although, you know, this is a reform we can get behind, uh, we would get a lot more behind it if we did this in addition to you know supporting something like Schaefer's bill or Kane's bill right they would put us on an actual path to elimination i think that's a lot more practical and that's a lot more fair to taxpayers that you know we simultaneously can put ourselves on a path to M&O, uh, elimination specifically first and also have these other reforms as well and we have a a long term um Goal that leads to actual victory, right, for for voters, where we know that eventually we're on a path towards Texans actually being able to own your home. And we would be, like you said, the only state in the union that has that. If we want to talk about financial and economic incentives, there is no greater incentive than, hey, come to Texas and you can actually own your home. And you do not have to pay perpetual rent to the government. And so uh, I I don't understand either why, you know, uh, representatives uh, on both sides of the aisle that say they believe in something like private property rights uh, continually show through their actions that they, in fact, don't. Actually believe that or bare minimum, it's not a very high priority for them. Uh, And so we we have to continue to trumpet this narrative, we have to continue to let our representatives know to interact with our lawmakers and demand that they give us the ability to own our home and if they if they do not do that then we have to hold them accountable not only you know in the legislative session but we have to hold them accountable in campaign season as well and if someone's not willing to let me own my house because they refuse uh to to put us on a path towards elimination and to just do these you know very weak uh you know gimmicky property tax relief schemes well then you're going to lose my support as a voter, and I would encourage other people as well. You know, I've said many times lately when I'm speaking that you know it doesn't matter what your issue is, whether it's you know the gender modification thing, whether it's pro life issues. Uh, government can only do what we fund it to do, and so this is why the budget. And this is why fiscal policy, in my opinion, and I would assume you agree since we both look for a fiscal organization, right? Is the core of limiting government for all of these things. They cannot, a government cannot push woke ideology on you if they're not funded and paying people to do that. And so when we show fiscal restraint and we reduce the size of the government and we zero out, you know, agencies that are pushing these things, that is the key to prosperity. And that is the key to limited government. And I think more people need to wake up that, hey, if you if you are, you know, Passionate about, you know, the border, passionate about election integrity or passionate about, you know, pro-life issues. The underlying cause of that is we are giving government too much money and we have, you know, quintupled our uh, our budget, you know, in the last 20 years or so. And so we we need to start focusing on fiscal policy more as a state.
0: Well said, um, you know, the the what you alluded to, Phelan, doing earlier, of course, that was announced today. It's going to take the form of House Bill 2. As of right now, I just checked, as of this recording, it has not actually been filed yet, uh, but our understanding, right, is to your point, it would take the percentage, really appraisal, right, limit for, down from 10 to 5 and apply to everyone and not just folks that qualify for the Homestead exemption. Um, and of course, he's, you know, touting a $17 billion number, um, I believe on top of the $15 billion we've talked about previously Previous times, right? And then um, I think he even went on to say something to the effect of, you know, this is definitely the largest property tax cut in Texas history. And basically, it can't be disputed, even though, you know, for avid listeners of us, we've disputed this already several times. And that technically, uh, you once you incorporate inflation and everything, the largest property tax cut. Uh, in Texas history would actually be right about 20 billion but you know semantic semantics I mean to be clear, I think our position on this is especially when it comes to the budget surplus is use all or as much as possible right uh, to not only provide property tax or tangible property tax relief but put us on a path to its elimination
1: yeah. Well said as well. You know that that is the goal. We want as much of that surplus paying down on property taxes and giving taxpayers relief as possible. Uh, of course, you know we are still we're at the very tail end of this kind of lull period. I expect in the next week or so uh, that the house is going to join the senate and really you know s- you know firing up their committees and so we are about to get to uh, kind of the action oriented part of the session and so i would assume this week maybe next week will be kind of our last slow week as they slowly ramp up uh, the committees and start kicking you know bills to calendars and so of course we will be paying attention i highly encourage any of our listeners to go uh, sign up and subscribe to not only our fiscal note, but to vote notices because we're going to start putting out vote notices here very soon, letting you know what is coming to the house, whether we oppose it or whether we uh, support it, why we oppose or support it. uh, And we give as much objective evidence as possible um, to, to give you a good idea of who is voting to grow government and who is voting to limit government. That is the mission of our organization. Uh, Anything I've missed, Jeremy?
0: I don't think so. The bill filing deadline is next Friday. Um, And I think, you know, for those that are interested, if you're on Twitter, our Twitter Spaces podcast, our audio podcast on Monday, I think we're going to focus on for taxpayer purposes, what's been filed, what hasn't been filed, what's good, bad, that sort of thing. So if you're interested in that, tune in Monday at 9 a.m.
1: All right. Hey, we appreciate y'all. Thank you for tuning in. Look forward to another taxpayer talks next Thursday. Y'all have a good one.
0: Hey everyone, thanks for listening. For even more content, head over to our website, TexasTaxpayers.com, where you can find all of our written content, the Fiscal Responsibility Index, and a whole host of resources that can help you navigate the already ongoing 88th legislative session. Make sure while you're there to subscribe to the fiscal note and vote notices to stay informed about issues that affect your wallet. Thanks.